0: Hello, everyone. My name is Huarahu Anomaren, and this is my channel, It Pays to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their Kingdom purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever learn, talk, or discuss about in the entire Holy Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned, What must I do to be saved? However, before we get into that, I once again have a tune that some of us might be familiar with. Once again, the subject that I have prepared for you and myself today is captioned "What must I do to be saved?" This was a fantastic question asked by a jailer in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. Before starting all the way from verse 13, Paul and Silas were just doing their normal thing, teaching about the word of God, and there was this soothsayer girl. Who uh, soothsayer, by the way, is essentially somebody who predicts uh, the future and things like that was uh, following Paul and Silas everywhere, and was advertising them, sarcastically obviously, as if they were really um, popular people who everybody should listen to. It's not wrong to thank God for their lives or anything, but it was in a very sarcastic way, and it was a demonic spirit, or the evil spirit, that was making her do this. Now, because of this business and everything, people were making a lot of money from her, but Paul one day just said, get, get this demonic spirit out demonic spirit leave, and immediately, the demonic spirit left. Now, for Paul and Silas, this would have been great, because now the annoyance could stop. However, because other people were making a business out of this, that whole business now collapsed, and as a result, they were very angry with Paul and Silas, so they found a way to get them into prison. Now, later, God sent a big earthquake that shook the whole place, and the locks of the doors in the jail were unleashed. Now, the prisoners could have easily just left, But they had all stayed inside, thanks to Paul and Silas. Now the jailer had seen all this. The moment he was awake, he saw that the doors had just opened and everything, and he wanted to kill himself because he saw that he assumed that everybody would have just left, because that's usually prisoners' behavior, and then he would have to go explain to the higher authorities what had happened, and who would believe that an earthquake would have done that? So he just wanted to kill himself. But then Paul said, "No, we're all here. All of us prisoners. We're all here." And then the jailer was so happy that he just ran to them and asked, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" We must also ask this question and look into the Bible to see the answers. The whole idea of being saved is open to everybody. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. As God had said through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter forty-five, verse twenty-two. There is really only one instruction that we have to go through. We have to listen to what Jesus Christ has to say and obey Him. He that believeth on me hath eternal life, as Jesus Christ had said in John chapter six, verse forty-seven. However, before we actually find out what we must do in order to be saved, we have to know why are we exactly being saved? What are we being saved from? Well, the story of Adam and Eve comes into play again. In Genesis chapter 3, from verses 1 to 6, this is where Adam and Eve had sinned. The condition God gave them in Genesis chapter 2, from verses 15 to 17, they had violated by listening to what's eaten the devil. God's ultimate rival had to suggest them. And then in Genesis chapter 3, from verses 16 to 19, that was where God ushered the judgment that He had said already was going to come upon them if they violated His law. And because they are the first two humans on this world, everybody else had to follow suit for the wages of sin is death according to Romans chapter 6 verse 23 however it continued on there to say but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord it is very important we understand salvation does not come through any other method or way except through jesus christ because he is the only mediator between god and men i am the way and the truth and the life according to john chapter 14 verse 6 and first Timothy chapter two and verses five and six, when he was on this world, he had performed the ransom right sacrifice—a very special event. It was necessary because of the blood that Adam had lost, or the life that he had lost—the perfect life. He was supposed to be our everlasting Father, remember. But Jesus Christ had to come and replace that life. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-two, Paul had stated, "And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, with and without shedding of blood." Is no remission. It was therefore necessary for Jesus Christ to come and pay that ransom sacrifice. Even though it was a sad process for God, yet it pleased him to do it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. For thou shalt make his soul a sacrifice for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong the days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand." It is very important to we understand this. Also, Paul in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, had also stated, So Christ was once made a sacrifice or to bear our sacrifice for our sins. It is therefore very important that we understand what the ransom sacrifice had to play within the importance of salvation. The ransom sacrifice was important for our salvation because we lost the ability to live eternally, and the ransom sacrifice had to equal what Adam had lost. And if you read Romans chapter 5, from verses 12 to 19, those are eight verses that are really important for us to read, because Paul had put a lot of effort and had said it very well, how Adam had the perfect life and lost it for everybody, and now Jesus Christ is bringing it back for everybody. Now, like I said, the question that we're supposed to be answering today is, what must I do to be saved? Well, once again, in John chapter six, verse forty-seven, Jesus Christ had stated, "He that believeth on me hath everlasting life." Now there are many people in this world who I don't exactly understand what Jesus Christ had meant by this. They see it as, "Oh, I can confess as if God is his physical person who uses physical things to do this stuff." No, He's a spiritual person. Therefore, it is our heart condition and our actual works that justify what we say. It's certainly not the other way around, and even worse, it's not just us saying things, and our actions can be completely different, but then what we say justifies everything in our lives. We can divide it into four uh, most important things that we must consider in order to really be saved. We can't have any any of the other three steps without, first of all, taking to heart the fact that we need to know God in detail. We cannot be saved by God if we first of all don't know what the whole idea of salvation is and the truth. The truth. And Jesus Christ said himself that he is the truth, and that in order for us to do it, we have to study it properly, as St. Paul had said, "...study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth." This truth that we're supposed to be learning about will make us free, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, as Jesus Christ has said in John chapter 8 and verses 31 and 32. It is very important we understand this. Then, in order to actually justify that, we have to go on to the attributes. The truth of Christ is first, then the attributes of Christ. And just as how Jesus Christ is not a hypocrite, we must not be hypocrites. So if we learn about God, it has to go on to our actual example. We have to demonstrate such. Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, such as love, joy, meekness, gentleness, and all of those things, there is no law against them, according to Galatians chapter 5, in verses 22 and 23. Because they directly match the laws of God, if we obey such principles, then what are the laws of God? They're none, because we are already in line with them, and then it's just to continue living that life out. If we, however, are found doing the works of the flesh, which are adultery, fornication, uh, heresy, strife, emulations, all and all of those other things, many of them mentioned in Galatians chapter five, same chapter, same place actually, but from verses 19 to 21, if we do any of those things we will not be worthy of inheriting eternal life. You can also read 1 Corinthians 6 in verses 9 and 10. Neither should we even be found interacting or making friends with such people who do such things. If any man be a fornicator, an extortioner, or any of those other kinds of wicked acts, we should always avoid such people, because evil communication corrupts good manners, According to First Corinthians chapter five verse eleven and First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty-three, it is very important to understand this. Now, all of this has to do with faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Hearing has to do with the attributes and the works. According to Romans chapter ten verse seventeen. However, it is very important that our works justify our faith, because our faith, being alone, is dead. According to James chapter two verse seventeen but to get the whole feeling from verse 14 all the way down to verse 26. Our works must justify our faith. It's not wrong to say that we believe in God, because if somebody asks us, I mean, we're supposed to answer them, yes, but that doesn't mean anything without actually doing the various works that end up bringing eternal life. So, we shouldn't just be saying it, we should not be showing that good example. If somebody comes across our life, and we tell them we have faith a brother as the Bible many times calls it but he's grieved with our meat he, did, he and he comes across our life and doesn't benefit anything he's even worse off we are not walking charitably according to Romans chapter 14 verse 15. it is very important that we understand how this works because if we show somebody a wrong example then eternal life cannot be ours and these three steps cannot be done without keeping all of them done to the end. There are many people who get all of this right. They know a lot about God, they can behave like God, their words justify their faith, but then the main problem is that they don't keep it to the end. And that is usually because, in, at some point or time, their lives and their heart are not in the right place. If we love God with all our heart, soul and might, according to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, that's the true law of God. Then there is absolutely no way we can go wrong. We must, despite what we're seeing here, despite the 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 desolations that we're seeing, all of the terribleness, the deceivableness that's happening in this world, the strong delusion, according to 2 Timothy or Second Thessalonians chapter two, from verse seven all the way down to twelve. That's going to be happening, but we must still keep to the faith. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax hold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved, as Jesus Christ had stated in Matthew chapter twenty four, and verses twelve and thirteen. Also, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, according to Hebrews chapter three, verse fourteen. If you also read first Peter chapter one, in verses nine and ten, and many other places all over the Bible. We must understand, even if we spend 50 years doing it, remember, God lives from everlasting, to everlasting, so we should never think that 50 years is a really long time to God. We must understand, even if we spend that much time, but then one day we come and fall, eternal life cannot be ours. We must keep our faith steadfast and holy onto the end of our lives before we are really worthy of actual salvation and eternal life. It is very important we understand this. Now, there are many people thinking that, oh, uh, the moment I rather say this, or do any of the things I said, then eternal life is, well, immediately going to come on us. But we must understand, we have to make the necessary sacrifices now, to secure that later. Salvation is not now. What I mean by that is that, when we do what God wants us to do, and we die, of course, then God is going to leave us there until the time when resurrection has started and He's bringing everybody back up, and then salvation will later commence when the righteous ones will have the ability to inherit eternal life. So, when we die and we finish doing God's work on earth right now, then we have told God that we are ready to inherit the rewards He promised. Then we will sit there, and then God wants to wake us up, as he doesn't see us actually dying as if we righteous, then we are going to wake, be woken back up by God, and then we're going to start living off that life, while everything else God wants to do is also happening. Now, the amazingness of salvation cannot be overstated, because salvation is going to be bringing us many things. Eternal life is going to be bringing many things that we as humans cannot even imagine happening. For example, the ability—just the ability—to live eternally. Remember, us—we see ourselves as things in our body expire after a while. That's the whole reason why, like, uh, we're dying all of a sudden. Like, things in our body uh, expire after a while. But imagine those things never expire. Imagine if—imagine if we die old, but then we start to go back to become young. uh, Because Job talked about that. How? We won't just be living our old lives, uh, but just continuing that for eternity. We're going to go back to being a young person all of a sudden, and we're going to be living as a young person for the rest of our lives. And God is going to destroy the idea of death, because He has never liked it from the beginning, but it only came as a result of Satan the Devil. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh death, I will be their plagues. Oh grave, I will be their destruction. Repentance shall behave for mine eyes. As God said through Hosea the prophet in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, there will be no more death, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more crying, there will be no more sickness, there will be no such thing as going to a hospital, there will be no such thing as a disease or a virus or anything. We are just going to be living perfect lives and perfect peace and happiness. According to Revelation chapter twenty one from verses one to five, Isaiah chapter sixty five from verses seventeen to twenty five, Isaiah chapter thirty three verse twenty-four, and many other places all over the Bible, it is very important we understand this. To conclude, there are some places in the Bible that are really inspiring for us to understand about how God is preparing salvation for his righteous ones. Opening the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because they trust in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, as I the prophet had stated in Isaiah chapter 26, from verses 2 to 4. And cast away not therefore thy confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that, after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him, for we are not of them that draw back onto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And I would like to end my talk on the subject, What Must I Do to Be Saved? To conclude, I once again have a tune that some of us might enjoy. you enjoyed this video, hope you learned something most importantly, since the reason why we're worshiping God, of course, is because we love God, but once we do just that, we love God with all our heart, soul, and might, then we can assure ourselves, secure ourselves, the ultimate reward, which is salvation. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https Double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.